What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to Damn It, Janet, Part 3. This is where we're getting into the recap of NXT TakeOver 30, which, at the time that we're recording this, we just saw about an hour ago. Yep, And, yep. of course, once again, I am joined by the NXT correspondent, Mr. John Tumblin. Vinny, Vinny, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's, it's TakeOver Night. Exactly, this is amazing. And, of course, NXT TakeOver 30, it took place place at Full Sail University. Uh, there was a pre-show match uh, with, you know, uh, basically it was a tag team number contendership match uh, yep. with Legato Del Fantasma against Brizongo and Oni Lurkin Danny Burch was a triple threat match. We're in a face Imperium for the tag team titles now. Obviously, this tag team title match did not take place on the show. Nope. But because we did bring it up, we'll just mention that Brizongo won the match and they will be getting a shot against Imperium in the future, whether it happens on NXT TV or at a takeover. I really hope it's not, well, both, but uh, I don't think they'll wait all the way till the next uh, takeover to have that match. It'll be on NXT TV at some point. Exactly. So. And if they do wait till the takeover, it better be because they want to put the belts on Brizongo. Uh, yeah, I agree. Holy crap. Exactly. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kick things off with the opening contest. As we mentioned before, this match was just added to the show. Uh, literally, I don't know if they even mentioned it on NXT TV. I think we literally saw it on the pre-show. Like, we stopped recording part two. We put on the pre-show, and this popped up. So we opened with this match. Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, I mean, this this was a, a good opening match. Now, as you and I have discussed off-air, but we will hear, uh, we both really wish they kind of interchanged the order of the matches because as they uh, as they sort of happen on the card as it, as it was, they're just, uh, there were breaks when we didn't need them and this could have been used easily somewhere else. Either way, good opening match. It is no secret that I don't care about Timothy Thatcher. I, yes. I tell Vinny, I, I, I truly do feel bad about it but at the same time if i can't get into a get into a character i just can't get into it um so i did watch obviously we watched the match yes it, it was a good opening uh but finn balor ends up taking it and uh i don't know if that was really the best decision in the long term of timothy thatcher but i guess they wanted to give finn uh officially the most wins in takeover history i don't know yeah they did mention that this was like his 12th i think takeover win yep. so i think they're really trying to put him back on track but i felt thatcher deserved it more because yeah. they were really building building him up and they were really getting him taken seriously especially since he's you know been doing the whole wrestling school thing teaching everybody Thatcher's that can which is a puts a playoff of catcher's catch can of wrestling so I think it's brilliant and so I felt he should deserve the win right there and but I will say from a technical standpoint this was amazing oh yeah absolutely and, yes and I knew that going in it was going to be an amazing technical match and it's and it's not every day you see people who are that technical in a wrestling match and one of the things we were talking about earlier when we were looking at the order of the matches is I felt like we should have had, like, you know, and I'll just say the names, like, I thought we should have had, like, you know, maybe Adam Cole and Pat McAfee as, like, the semi-main event, and then maybe, like, a cool-down match, and then the main event, and then the main event, which was Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. But I remember, an interesting thing you told me is that in NXT, there aren't really any cool-down matches. It's just boom, boom, It's boom, just boom, bam, 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 because, because we don't get four hours like uh, SmackDown and Raw do. It's pretty much... It's it's it pretty much two and a half, two hours. They they normally don't they normally don't go to three. So you we never have time for cooldown matches. We basically get cooldown periods in NXT. Exactly where they're kind of looking at the audience and people out yeah. there, maybe some interviews and stuff like that. But I felt like if you needed a cooldown match, this should have been it. Yeah. 
They should have put this like right there to kind of get everything cooled down and then go into the main event. So either way, that's what happened here. We saw this great opening contest. And then afterwards, we move on to the next match of the evening. For the, And we were shot the ladder match, five-man ladder Second match. Second match of the show. Yeah, for the North American Championship, the vacant North American Championship. As we mentioned before, Keith Lee relinquished the title to give other people more opportunities so he could focus more on defending his NXT Championship. And we had Bronson Reed versus Cameron Grimes versus Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano versus Velveteen Dream. Now, when this first match or when this match first started, Vinny, you and I both, right? So we have all the guys in. There's obviously the scuffle in the beginning of the match, and then essentially Velveteen Dream is in the ring by himself. He then goes on a tear where he kicks the crap out of every other person. He counters like four or five moves in that one sequence, gets great offense in. Like if there was the like if we had to judge the first quarter of that match, that was all Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and it was amazing. Like, at one point, he was countering a DDT, and it looked like he was doing uh, the Sister Abigail and then countered it into a DDT, which I thought was epic. I thought it was so cool, especially since uh, Bray doesn't really use the Sister Abigail much anymore, Mm -mm. unless he's the Yowie Wowie guy from the Funhouse. He doesn't really use it. The Fiend doesn't use it. Uh, I didn't see him use it in the Swamp Fight at all. So I think it's cool that Velveteen Dream was able to use that. But not only that was the fact that he, when he comes out, He's got, like, the Scott Steiner headdress thing on, mm-hmm. chain thing on. He's got a robe. He's being Velveteen Dream. And he pushes Damian Priest out of the way to get on the turnbuckle. And I'm just sitting there like, really? Did that just happen? And then as soon as he gets out turns around, Damian Priest punches him. Ring the bell. Him. Let's get this thing started. But it's that moment where you're like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That was believable. So I liked that. And then, of course, just everything you expect in a ladder match. The oh, whole, yeah. you know, the violence, the physicality. Uh, a stepladder showed up out of nowhere. Look, that was funny. It was, yeah. Um, we'll uh, we'll talk about who won in just a second, but but quickly, my only complaint about this ladder match was I felt like the almost grabs of the belts were just a little too non-believable. Yeah. I mean, it was really good seeing them climb up the ladder. As we all know, wrestlers don't know how to climb ladders. No. It's not a skill that they're trained or they even, I don't know. They just don't know how to do it. Um, But there were just a significant amount of uh, times of them going to grab the belt when they very easily, like, I don't know, a three-year-old has more grip strength than a professional wrestler to just grab the belt and pull. And they just literally, they act like they don't know how to use, they have no muscle skills and they can't grab the belt. I hate this, this part of ladder matches because it's so unbelievable. It even like takes away from the belief or the, like the coolness that this is a ladder match because somehow they just forget what motor skills are. Yeah. Cause they're always like fingertips away oh my goodness. or something like that, which it's, that's a hard thing to kayfabe. It and is. I learned that like, especially when at one point it looked like one of the guys missed their cue because they took too long to get in there and oh. like, get him and we're thinking like so you gonna have to grab the belt just to imp- just to imp- i know because back because back then if you had a ladder match and someone didn't do that you had to grab the you had you had to just grab it or you expose the business now it's exposed don't have to worry about it too much but yeah like that they, they did not there were a lot of few miscues in this match yeah where that didn't happen and the one that i loved the most was when velveteen i think cameron grimes was laying on one of the ladders and Velveteen Dream is doing his trademark pose and he whacks the belt. And in my head, I'm thinking, 
he don't tell me he's about to jump. But then he looks over and starts grabbing the belt. And I'm like, okay, okay, now we got some believability. Then I think you and Rihanna both pointed this out. He jumps to the smaller ladder. Yeah, that's right. To grab the belt. Well, because the smaller ladder was the one that was more central to where he needed to grab. But then when he jumped to the smaller ladder, he realized he had to go up another uh, rung or two. And then someone came in and it knocked him off. Exactly. At least, at least that was kayfabable enough where it looked good. Yeah. But there were just other times where literally a three-year-old could have grabbed that belt and they, they just don't know how. That was my only complaint. But either way, Vinny and I and everyone else downstairs who was watching really would have liked almost any other person to win because we just felt like they have more to do in NXT. But Damian Priest ends up winning this belt, man. Yeah. Um, I really think it should have gone to Bronson Reed or Karen, uh, Cameron Grimes. Yeah. But at the same time, the lesser of the two evils of Gargano and Damian Priest were Damian Priest. Yeah. So I guess that's who it's going to be. Exactly. Because we know Gargano's been there, done that. Yep. And we both agree that even though we like the Velveteen Dream, he's better than that. So yep. he didn't need it. Nope. So we were really hoping for like Bronson Reed or Cameron Grimes. And yep. Bronson Reed delivered in this match. Yes, he did. He was, oh. a, he was a wrecking ball. Yeah. And and at one point, and then of course we have the, the one moment that pissed us all off. Candice LeRae shows up and is like interfering. And then she jumps on like Bronson Reed's back. So Bronson just jumps off and splashes and we both were sitting there going if he had just done a senton oh just, just oh. jump backwards and had like and then it just had candace and right on top of john and just bam oh my that goodness and i looked at it like this i would have been like the now as we know bronson reed didn't go over so if no. i'm Bron- i'm telling you right now if i'm bronson reed that's what i'm doing oh because oh, just forget it i'll take the heat later because yeah. it's not like i'm screwing up a push i wasn't even getting the belt now, if I'm getting the belt, I'm not doing that because I wanna, I, I wanna keep it. But like, I, I it would have, that would have been the NXT moment. That would have been a moment that would have kept oh, replaying over and over and over again. Uh, that it would have been, it would have been, a, it, that would have been on the internet forever. Like Bronson Reed kills Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano. Like it would be obviously if everybody was safe and no one was hurt. It just looked really cool. It would be, it would be such an awesome, such an awesome thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Just because it was great. Like I say, if I say if Candice is gonna interfere, take the risk. Yeah, I, you know, I'm like, don't if you don't. It's like I, we don't want nobody to get hurt. Then don't put them in the ring. They didn't. Like I say. they sure don't care in Lucha. No, they don't. So either way, uh, Damian Priest wins the North American title. So the finish was a bit of a letdown, but like we said, lesser of two evils or three yep. evils in this case. So it was like, all right, at least somebody new has the belt. So and, we'll see what they do with that. And then of course afterwards, uh, you we we see Damian Priest uh, celebrate with an on and basically uh, at full sale outdoor jacuzzi. Hey, all right, it must be nice. And uh, he jumps in a jacuzzi with two bikini ladies. Uh, and a bottle of champagne. So yeah. I guess he's back to old uh, Damian Priest hanging out with ladies. So I hope so. We'll see that, what happens. Yeah, because that's like because that was the gimmick that I liked. Like yeah. he was going with that. He called himself like the vampire dude or something, and was like getting all the girls. So I, I like that side of Damian Priest. I'm hoping we'll see more of that. Like I'm hoping he walks to the ring with a tile around his waist and some girls around him. Oh yeah, I want to see that because then at least he's got some depth to him. Because babyface Damian's not been working, especially no. since they've been. trying Trying to make him a face and no one's believed in it. So it's just not working out. So we'll see what happens down the road. Because whether we like it or not, he's North American champion. Then we move on to the next match of the evening. I am 
The only thing I'm disappointed in is that they made this match so damn early in the night. But in my opinion, it stole the whole damn show. Uh, it, it actually... Yes. Yeah. The matchup that everyone was worried about, everyone was concerned with, but still broke the internet, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. I was so incredibly surprised in this match. Because I think with any other person other than Adam Cole, I don't think this would have gone as well as it did. Because as you also said when we were watching it, you're like, we'll get into it. But you said for as good as Pat McAfee is doing, you're just like, Adam Cole is a goddamn professional in this match. Because he's not making the business look bad. He's selling really well when he needed to because... You know, it takes a lot of non-ego to go into the celebrity match and start in, in sell for a person who's not even of the business. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I can give you the best example was the first WrestleMania when it was Hulk Hogan and Mr. T against Piper and Orndorff. And Piper and Orndorff were not going to sell for Mr. T in the beginning. They were not happy he was in the match. They were pissed about it. A lot of wrestlers didn't like the fact that Mr. T was getting that spot. But they didn't understand that when Vince was doing that first WrestleMania, that was he he invested everything he had in that WrestleMania. Like, literally, he would have went bankrupt if that thing had bombed. So he was bringing in Mr. T, who at that time was on the A-team. He was the star of the 80s. You know, between the Rocky Three and everything else. Like, he was a star. So they had they were banking everything on that WrestleMania. So Hogan kind of sat down with Piper and Orndorff and explained to them that Mr. T is going to do business. We're going to draw money with this. It's going to work. And he convinced them to sell for Mr. T and work with Mr. T. And they ended up realizing that Mr. T respected the business and that he was coming here to do a good job and everything else and yeah. have a good time. And it ended up being a great match. So it's not easy to convince wrestlers back then to really deal with celebrities they thought like why are you coming into our world and stuff like that so the, later on they understood and then piper and mr t were able to do more business for the following wrestlemania yeah where piper I, I, I don't know if you guys know about old school roddy piper but um old school roddy piper would not work today no because he would say the meanest most i'm, I'm just gonna say the most racist shit ever to get heat because back in the 80s, you could say stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Like, literally one time, Roddy Piper literally was cutting a promo on Mr. T. And Mr. T had all the gold chains around his neck. He actually says to Mr. T, you wear more chains than your ancestors. Fucking Mr. T had that look on his face like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And it fucking, it fucking worked. Like, they didn't hate each other. But it fucking worked. Because Piper heat. back... Yeah, because Piper back then was... He did whatever he had to do to get heat. Like, watch the Piper's pit with Jimmy Snuka. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Before he hits him with the coconut, all the shit that he says, it's fucking insane. So it's not easy, uh, you know, to have celebrities in there or work in that environment. So nowadays, it's more accepted because they now understand the crossover and everything. Yeah. So it, it's not easy. But Adam Cole did exactly what he needed to do. And obviously, he, he got... What was it? He got the win in this match. But what impressed me the most was the fact that... Not just that Adam Cole was such a professional. Yeah. And was willing to do the business and knowing what was going to happen at the end. Pat McAfee, though. Oh, my God. D this man delivered. Yeah. Like, everyone was concerned. Like, how was he going to do in the ring? Was he going to take it seriously? What was he going to do? This was strange. Straight up wrestling 101. Yeah. That they did here. Yeah. Because, like, at one point, like, they're doing the, uh, the Colorado tiles. He's showing he does it really well. Adam Cole got the headlock in. What I love most about it is because Pat McAfee's not a wrestler, he wasn't able to shoot him off the headlock right away. 
Adam Cole, he, Adam Cole had it in a lot longer than most normal wrestlers. That this this headlock could actually beat him. Mm-hmm. Which is how you're supposed to sell a headlock. But most people today don't do that. They just shoot them off too early. They just kind of sit there. Like, you got to sell a headlock. And that's exactly what they did. And then at one point, he Irish with him in. He does a picture-perfect up and over. I'm so jealous. And then he turns around. But Adam Cole doesn't run into There's it. There's a fall for it, right? Exactly. Like, you were talking about his ring IQ. And then he turns around. Adam Cole goes for a super kick. And what does Pat McAfee do? Drops to his ass and backs up. Oh, shit. And then backs up like he just dodged a bullet. That is exactly how you sell a, a, a move set right there. Because mm-hmm. now the crowd understands what you're doing. You're starting to tell the story, and it builds from there. And then, of course, later on, the Undisputed Era comes out. The football guys come out. They're all kind of talking. Pat McAfee does a swanton off it. like Because I see him jump on the top rope, and I'm thinking he's just going to jump off. No. No, he did a sw- he did a flip out of that ring. On the outside. It was it was it was very good. In if he really was only learning for 2 weeks, then he he learned more in 2 weeks I feel like than a lot of a lot of wrestlers these days. Yeah. He he did such a good job of the in-ring stuff. And he also did such a good job just generally with the psychology of it all. There was never any point where he was over the top with being a heel. He was just the right amount of heel. Yeah. The whole match. And it it was really, really good. I'm I'm wholeheartedly surprised it was as good as it was. Yeah. I'm very impressed with both both parties involved. Yeah, his timing was impeccable and just everything like the showmanship of it all, like he understood what was happening. And then later on and then and then of course, you know, even the punts and the kickouts like, the fact that Pat McAfee was kicking out of shit impressed me. Because mm-hmm. he, he's the only person I know that can kick out at two and you get the same reaction as somebody kicking out at two and nine-tenths. Yeah. Because it's Pat McAfee. You're not expecting that. So he had some. He showed he had some fight in him. And then when he hit the punt, you're thinking it's over. I thought it was over. And then there's that one, two, and then like two and nine, and then boom, Cole kicks out. And Pat McAfee's got the shot looked on his face and everything. And at one point, he went for the kick. Adam Cole ducked. He hit his foot. He was selling the foot injury. The, but the one thing I'll never forget in this whole match is them on the top row. Oh, yeah. Adam Cole pushes Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee moonsault backflips, lands on his feet, and then runs, jumps up, grabs Cole, superplexed him off. Like, I I said it before and I'll say it again. People forget, yes, Pat McAfee was a punter, but he's still a football player and he's still an athlete. Just just because all he did was punt doesn't mean he's still not athletic, he's still not badass, and... Punting a ball is not as easy as it looks, especially when you got to kick it the whole length of a goddamn field. That's right. I couldn't do that, could you? No. No, none of us Hell can. Hell no. Hell no. That ain't easy to do. So that's why only the best punters go to the NFL. So it was a solid match all the way around. Yeah. And then I remember we were watching the match, and we jokingly said, like, you know, what's going to happen? How's he going to end the match? And I'm like, well, he's not doing a Panama Sunrise. There's no way they're going to let Pat Maggie do a Panama Sunrise. And I'll be goddamned if that's not how this fucking match they, ended. <laughs> they ended this match with an Adam Cole Canadian Destroyer. I was shocked that they that they let him do this. Shocked they let him do this. But they did. And, I mean, I really, really didn't want to have any doubt about it. But as this match progressed, I did have doubt. But it ended up being the way we needed it to. Adam Cole ended up winning. But damn, it was... It, 
it was the match of the night. It was. It, God, that is really hard to say. It is. But it was the match of the night. And what I love most about the Panama Sunrise being the finish was the fact that A, Pat McAfee with all of his celebrity was willing to take that move. Yeah. But most importantly, that's how you know that, even though we kind of already knew this, but that's how you can tell that this truly was a work between them. Oh, yeah. Because they still have to go over this stuff in the back. And oh, yeah. for Adam, for Pat McAfee to have enough trust in Adam Cole to do that move shows that they get along outside the ring. That was the proof I needed. Yeah. Because that's not an easy move to sell somebody on doing. No. If you're going to take a move uh, like that, like a Canadian Destroyer or anything like that, you really got to trust the person you're in there with. Mm -hmm. And if you're the one that's going to do the move, you really got to convince that other person that you're going to do it in a way that's not going to paralyze the other person. If if, If we do it like this... I will take care of you. Like, that's how you're selling. I'm going to take care of you with this move. I'm going to make sure when I hit it, you are not going to snap your neck. You are not going to be paralyzed. You're not going to get hurt if we just do it this way. They had to have practiced that. Oh, yeah. There had to have been, they had to be in the performance center at some point. Pat McAfee maybe snuck in because they find ways of sneaking people in so that cameras and the media ain't catching it. Yeah. And then they went in there and practiced that. There's no way that they just went in there cold. I now if, if it turns out later they did, that's even more respect. I, I, but if they did, holy shit. But yeah, but I'm I'm assuming they practiced this at some point or they went over exactly how it was done because that is because that's the key thing about working a match with somebody is the trust factor and like like and like we said before, accidents can happen. Yeah, they do happen. But your key thing is to control as much as you can to make sure that other person's not going to get hurt. And that tells me they, they're friends outside the ring. Oh yeah. Well, but beyond that, I mean, even if, even if these guys, Vinny, let's say for two weeks that uh, let's say for two weeks, instead of Pat McAfee learning how to do wrestling moves, all they did was that match over and over and over again. Okay. Let's hypothetically say that's what happened, right? They still made it look like it wasn't rehearsed at all. That's what I mean by that. I mean, if that's all Pat McAfee learned, which I know he learned a lot more than that just from watching, you can tell this. Yeah. But either way, that match was just clean as well. It, it, honestly, hats off. Hats yeah. off to both parties. Yep. That is amazing. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some mutual respect between them after this because that that was too good of a match. Because, yeah, Adam Cole got his revenge, but even he knew Pat McAfee did not make it easy for him. No. So that was, it was an amazing match. And on that note, we do move on to the next match of the evening for the NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai. This, it was really hard to be super excited about this match after, right after the Cole McAfee match, but I did get into it eventually, which we all knew Raquel Gonzalez was going to get involved somehow. We just didn't know where, when, how. And of course, a sequence happens where Dakota Kai, a uh, team kicks the referee. And of course, this is a perfect time for Raquel Gonzalez to come in. So she interferes. She lands one of those big, like one-handed choke, uh, choke slams almost. And she puts Dakota Kai over. She riles the referee up and uh, Io Shirai kicks out. Yeah. And before anything else can happen 
further than that, Rhea Ripley comes down and stops Raquel Gonzalez from interfering anymore, and then Io Shirai lands her moonsault, one, two, three, Io Shirai retains. But afterwards, Rhea Ripley is just standing on the ramp, staring at Io Shirai, just staring at her while her music plays and she's raising the belt. So obviously that means to me, you asked earlier before we were talking, who else? Yeah. Well, who else is Rhea Ripley again? Yeah. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I yeah. mean, I mean, we've, we've been there, done that. I mean, unless Rhea Ripley's going to win the title back. But then if she wins the title back, unless they're going to have Rhea Ripley and, and have her as a champion so she can have a, a good run with the belt. Because from what I was told... And I know I said she must not be named, but I'll name her for the sake of this. Was that when Charlotte won the title at WrestleMania, the belief was that because Rhea Ripley primarily lives in the UK, from my understanding, that because of the pandemic and everything, that she would probably not be able to make it back to NXT in time. Mm-hmm. Or be around to defend the championship. So I think originally she was supposed to beat Charlotte at WrestleMania. But then they decided to put the belt on Charlotte. They also thought that it might help in the ratings war. And like we said before, it gave a slight two-week bump, but they went right back down again. Yeah. It did not help at all. The experiment failed because nobody in NXT wanted to see that. No, nobody cared about Charlotte Flair. Exactly. With Sasha, they could probably get away with it because Sasha did bring ratings to NXT. Like they said, she was the one person that was beating Jericho every week. Yeah. You know, every time Sasha Banks was on there, the ratings went up. NXT won the ratings war every time Sasha was on. So I wouldn't have been surprised if Sasha had been the one to beat Io Shirai and they put the NXT women's title on her. Wouldn't have shocked me. No. Because... They say like, okay, we're gonna. They love Sasha, so we're gonna put her on every week because she's bringing the ratings. Now, if I would have loved it, honestly. Exactly. Now, if at some point down the road those ratings went back down because people got sick of her, just make her drop it. Then she dropped the belt. Yeah. But with Sasha, it was working. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised they didn't just pull the trigger with Sasha. Like instead, they gave her the Raw Women's Title now. They got her doing that shit. I would have. I would have had her as the SmackDown champ. I would have had Sasha as the NXT champ and just let them be the tag champs and run everything. Yeah. That would have been a better run. Yeah. Would have been smarter. But anyway, that's another story for another day. So I'm thinking my guess is now that Rhea is back and it turns out she wasn't going to have a problem traveling, I think now they could probably have her take the belt, let her have the run they were going to give her, and then when it's time to call her up or move her somewhere or move her to Raw or SmackDown, then Mercedes strikes. Mm. So now you got Mercedes, you can beat Rhea Ripley, and then Mercedes comes in and cleans house. Because Rhea Ripley hasn't lost to really anyone on the NXT roster. Other than Io Shirai. Exactly. And the only reason she beat her was because she had won a moonsault while she was locked in a figure eight. Triple threat, yeah. So, technically, it's not like Io Shirai legit beat Rhea into the ground. Mm -hmm. The only other person Rhea lost to was a main roster person. So, that doesn't really count as far as NXT roster goes. So, Rhea can have the decent run. Mercedes comes in, takes her out. Now, she's running everything until the next bad bitch, probably Raquel Gonzalez, be the one to take her. And then maybe that can cause the split between Raquel and Dakota because Dakota gets jealous that Raquel got the title and Dakota guys still hasn't happened. It's going to happen eventually. So you can split them up that easily and make that work. So there's a million different things you can do. So either way, I I guess I enjoyed the match. I was, I guess... I it, think was, it was all right. It was all right. It was all right. It, it, did, what need, it did what it needed to do. Yeah. You know, it, it, and then on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT Championship. Keith Lee defends the gold against Karrion Cross. Man, 
Uh, I commented in this match, and uh, I think you agreed with me. Uh, when I when you actually like sit down and watch, what would you say the first 35 percent of this match? It was basically all rest holds. Yeah. Uh, which was crazy because I feel like these two could go a lot longer than this, but there was a crap load of them. Uh, and then then the match did progress a little bit until. Like most NXT matches, as the match progressed, they just got more and more action. It was it was a classic takeover match. I just thought the first little bit had too many wrestles. Anyway, as we progress, though, oh man, this match is this match is hard to talk about because, as you always say, Finny, uh, the finish can like sort of make or break the whole match. Exactly. And I I can't really bear the lead on it because it is the most important thing, but it also happens to be the outcome. Keith Lee loses. Yeah. To Karrion Cross. I'm. I truly, truly am mind blown by this because I've been watching NXT now every week, probably going on five years now. I know that's that's not forever for other people. I've no, you know, I know other people like you've been watching for twenty plus that never missed a Raw or SmackDown. Whatever, it doesn't matter. My point is, I've been watching now for five years, and I've never seen anyone in NXT have this meteoric rise that they've given to Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross has had less than five matches, including takeovers. Period. I think I, I think the count is actually at five. Five matches in NXT and they put the title on him. I'm truly confused. The only the only thing you and I could hypothesize, which we talked about on the couch downstairs, was Keith Lee next week or very soon here when they have the air quote or the air quote draft, Keith Lee's going to Raw or SmackDown. There's no other explanation. Absolutely. And I know you talked about the meteoric rise, and I will say that um there is one person that beats that record. Oh, and that's ooh. Kevin Owens. He had two matches before he got to take the NXT title. Okay, I didn't, he, I, he, I didn't he, watch NXT during his reign, I know. so yeah, yeah. I know, and hey, I, during 2018 or most of 2019, I was out of yeah. NXT. I had stopped, and then we started watching TakeOvers together, and then you finally convinced me to get back to watching it again. Yeah. And then when I got on the USA Network, I made a regular thing, brought you back for the segment. Yeah. So I do have you to thank for getting me back into NXT. <laughs> but during the time when I was watching it, Kevin Owens had made his debut. Sami Zayn had just beaten Neville to win the NXT championship, and Sami Zayn was like the guy that never won the big one never got it everybody loved it he was he was just oh he was the daniel bryan of nxt oh he dude like you would not believe it from seeing him on the main roster but in nxt he was one of the gods they all worshipped crazy that that nxt fans worshipped the ground he walked that's insane when he won that nxt title they popped so loud for him in full sail. It was insane. The roof almost blew off. Him and Neville having the handshake respect thing. Because they were friends but fierce rivals as well. Because Sammy wanted that title. And Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had been best friends all the way back to their days in Ring of Honor. So Kevin Owens had just de- had an epic debut. Squashed this one guy. He comes out. Hugs Sami Zayn. They're walking to the back. Kevin Owens attacks Sammy. Turns on him. That's when he became the heel. Starting their rivalry. They go to the next takeover. And Kevin wins the belt. Literally. They... they they did Sammy so wrong. Like, they gave him his big moment and made him a transitional champion for Owens. Pretty much what they did to Keith Lee here. Yeah. Like, he crushes Adam Cole, Grand Not Friends, or Fierce Rival, but they have a title for title match. Winner takes all. He beats Adam Cole. He's a double champion. He relinquishes one belt so he can focus on defending the other belt. And what happens? He drops it to Karrion Cross. Immediately drops it to Karrion Cross. Doesn't even get one cycle, man. Yeah. He had both belts and he lost two of them in the same cycle. Like, how fucking sad is that? That right. is ridiculous. 
like I said, the only explanation I can come up with is he's going to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. I, I see Keith Lee hasn't done anything wrong or, I mean, this might really be an indication that all Keith Lee's done is right because we still gave you the belt and yes, it sucks that you are a transitional champion, but we like you that much. We wanted to put it on you even if, so you are on the record book forever. You are a former NXT champion, but you're going to Raw or SmackDown because we think that's where you need to be. Yeah. If that is going to happen i'm i'm less hurt by them doing this to keith lee exactly but if it isn't uh they did him real dirty if that's not the case because i'll tell you right now if i'm keith lee i mean granted whatever they whatever they're, they're telling me to do nine times out of ten i'm gonna do it obviously right but i would at least sit down and go okay why are we doing this what's going on because most of the time there are wrestlers that have done that in the past yeah like I'll, and I, I know this is way off topic. I'm gonna use an example in the Undertaker documentary when they made the decision at WrestleMania 30, ironically, to end the streak with Brock. Taker sat down with Vince and he just wanted to know why now. Yeah. He wasn't mad. He didn't protest. He didn't lose his temper. He just said, "I'm because originally he was supposed to go over." Yeah. Then they changed it. So Vince, so Taker wanted to know why. And Vince told him why. He said, this is what I'm thinking. This is where we're going. Pretty much the same thing he said on the Stone Cold podcast when he was a guest. He yeah. basically said that there comes a time where, you know, it's time to give back or do something like that or, or put somebody over. He said, I look down the line and I don't see anybody else right now that can beat that, that if I, that beat this streak and it would be credible. I feel like the best man for the job is going to be Brock. I feel that way. And Taker listened and then he went, he liked what Vince had to say and he went, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then he went out and did the job. Yeah. Granted, not a lot of people liked it, but Taker at least spoke. And he, he did got, it. And he earned the right to do so. Yeah. Like he's not, he, very rarely is Taker going to tell Vince no, but he's like, if the idea makes sense, he'll do it. If it doesn't make sense, then he ain't going to do it. Yeah. That's how Taker is. If Vince has a stupid reason for doing it, if he just said, I just feel like this is the right time to do it. I'm like, that's a dumbass reason. I'm not but doing he, it. But he had a reason that made sense to him. So he said, all right. So I don't know what Keith, the reason for Keith Lee is, but if it is to call him up, then it makes sense. And I feel like, because I know at some point they're going to do another draft. Yep. I don't know when that draft's going to happen, but I got a feeling because of where we're at right now, because I don't think they're going to wait till the next WrestleMania, because that's way too long. No, well, they would have to do it sometime soon. It would probably be, I think my prediction is, they're probably going to do it after Survivor Series. Because Survivor Series is the Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. So they probably want the current roster well, to face each other and then do a draft and split and split people up. Okay, I was going to say that makes more sense. But then what do you do with Keith Lee? They're probably going to put him on either Raw or SmackDown. My guess is he'll probably go to SmackDown because technically, unless, because right now that's where Roman Reigns is, for better or for worse. Uh, unless they draft Roman to Raw, then they might put Keith Lee there. But I feel like that's what they're going to... Because I said it before, that's what they need to build towards. Yeah. If Keith Lee goes to the main roster before WrestleMania 37, then the match at WrestleMania 37 needs to be Keith Lee versus Roman Reigns. That needs to happen at WrestleMania. That would be that would be a great match for those two guys. Because, because that's... When, when Keith Lee stole the show at Survivor Series, it was with Roman. It was down to the two of them, and Keith Lee put on amazing performance. Roman won, and then he got the fist bump from Roman. Mm-hmm. Which, which, like I said before, regardless of how people feel about Roman Reigns, because he has, there's fans who love him, there's fans who hate him, if you're a young guy coming up in the business, a man like Roman Reigns endorsing you is a you, big deal. Yeah, you do it. You got a guy that's saying, you got a future, kid. 
Boom, there you go. And kid's not even an insult. That's what you say to all young guys in the business. They all call each other kid. Mm -hmm. They call him kid. Like, they'll they'll be like, hey, hey. They'll be like, come up to you and go, nice job, kid. Yeah. That's just, that's how they do. That eventually you work your way up from not being a kid anymore. But if you're a young guy in the business, no matter how old you are, if you're a rookie in the company. You're a kid. You're a kid. Yeah. They'll say that. Like, it's not even an insult. It's just how they talk to you. They'll be like, they'll, unless they're saying something mean beforehand. But if there's company, they might be like, hey, nice spear, kid. Like, you know, like, like thanks, that. Junior. That, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Like Jer Jericho used to do that. Yeah. Jericho used to say Junior a lot. But he did it as an insult as a heel. But he used to say, like, hey, good job, Junior. Not bad, kid. So that kind of thing. So either way, what I like was the fact that he had his finisher off the ropes, the top yep. rope, middle turnbuckle, I thought was what made it work. Because he tried to hit it before and it didn't work. Keith Lee threw everything at Cross and he kicked out. Everything at him. Yep. And he kicked out. So... It was just a. He knew he had to go to extreme lengths to get him. The really the only other complaint that I have, and I mentioned this, and it's something that WWE's been doing a lot lately that I don't like. I get that the fans are a plant, but still, don't mess with the plexiglass. No, stop, stop it. A, it's getting old because it, it, they've done it like once or twice and it was amazing. Now it's becoming too repetitive. And two, it's not believable because the only way that's believable is if after it happens, you have security running out. Or something. Something. Some people have to run out and like stop everything and like put the plexiglass back up. Like someone needs to fix that and be like, "Hey, you know, you can't break this down because there's you got to protect the audience because that's the whole purpose of the plexiglass is the social distance, keep you away from the ring. That way, when the guys are working, nothing can happen. That's what the plexiglass is for. In case someone, you know, because at least when I worked at Lowe's, that's what they had over there. You would, if somebody coughed or sneezed, the glass was there. Yeah. To protect you. Same to, in case somebody, whether somebody wore a mask or not, same situation. So that's what they need to do. I mean, they're already wearing the masks as backup, but you still, that plexiglass is supposed to be there for audience safety. It needs to be fixed afterwards. Yeah. You're showing you don't care about audience safety when you do that. You're not being as epic because back in the day when there was no pexiglass and there was no corona and all that, it was cool to see somebody get thrown over the guardrail and fight through the crowd. You're not going to see a lot of that anymore. No. You're just not. There's certain things in wrestling we're just not going to do anymore because of corona, and that's one of them. So just – you want to slam against the plexiglass, that's fine, but don't let it break. Yeah. And if it does break, you got to do something to fix it fast. Like maybe as maybe they do something where they go to the other side of the ring and you get immediately get some people up there and they're hammering the nails and do whatever the fuck they got to do to put that thing back up there. Because you got to show from that standpoint, you give a damn about the audience and their safety. Because that's what that is. If the audience is going to feel like they're in danger, they're not going to feel comfortable when they are allowed back. Mm -hmm. Which slowly but surely is happening. A lot, of a lot of places are allowing people back with limited capacity seating. They're doing the virtual reality thing we talked about in part two. So there's a lot of stuff going on they got to think about. Outside of that, I did enjoy this main event. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It just, it was surprising to me that they gave it to Karrion Cross the early as they did. Yeah. But, uh, but all in all, uh, this this takeover was uh, at least 90% better than In Your House. Uh, so I was really happy where uh, we were a lot closer to takeover form here for this one. Uh, really, really good show, all in all. Oh, and of course, before we officially wrap this up, we got to talk about the big surprise that we got. Uh, Daddy's coming home. Yes, he is. <laughs> and by that, we mean... Tommaso Ciampa is officially returning next week from injury, which kind of has me thinking that maybe if they're building to another takeover, because I think the next one's probably going to be in November, could we see Tommaso face carrying for that title? That would be good revenge to making 
like pretty much what happened in your house, how he kind of made him look like a chump. Uh, I think it'd be really good revenge if that's what happened. Yeah. Or I think they might have some matches like on TV and stuff, but if Karrion Cross is going to drop that title to somebody, I think storyline-wise, Tommaso would be the guy to do oh, that. Oh, that'd be so good. To get that revenge. Because he's been wanting that NXT title back for the longest time, you know? So I feel like that needs to happen. Or if he doesn't win back the NXT title, then maybe it is time to call him up. Yeah. One of the two. And that's why I I know I'm going way back in history here. That's why I was a little upset after that one takeover match where him and Ciampa, where him and Gargano had the final battle and it looked like they were kind of apologizing and making peace before Candice, you know, low blowed him. I kind of wish they did because I feel like as a tag team, they would dominate on the Raw SmackDown roster. DIY I, being I do Raw SmackDown Tag Team Champions would be great. I'm hoping at some point down the road, if both of them make it to the main roster, we get that. Yeah. We just have that epic DIY reunion because I feel like I feel like it's on the horizon and it's there. But because they're obviously not going to fight anymore because it's done. Yeah. So well, Triple H even I mean in kayfabe turn, but Triple H already told them you're not fighting again. Yeah. Forget it. And if you do, you're both finished in NXT. Yeah. Like you're done here. So I feel like there has to be some type of reunion down the road, maybe on Raw or SmackDown, but that's how I feel about it. Like that one or two things have to happen. Either either Tommaso wins back the NXT title from Carrion, or that final match becomes the call up for Tommaso. Yeah. When he gets drafted. So either way I'd be fine with that, but I'm just excited that Tommaso's back because I'm a fan. Yeah. I think we I think we all are here at the Boochcast. The Blackheart, absolutely. Yes. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of NXT TakeOver 30. Of course, John, I thank you so much for uh, yeah. taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here. Always welcome in my house, Vinny. And uh, I'll make sure to have food on the table, too. Absolutely. Uh, I, am, I am full from that cheesesteak, man. That is oh, insane. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, definitely. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Well, uh, one thing uh, we I I cannot I cannot fully disclose what we're gonna be doing, but uh, I can confirm here the near future for the YouTube channel. Vinny's gonna go real fast. Yep, we got yeah I. I feel the need for something special. Yeah. But I won't say what it is yet. Real fast. Yeah. So, of course, make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure- and, of course, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. Make sure you join us for the biggest party of the summer. And, of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and a special project in the works. Also, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small 
monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99, $10 per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since sold the Peacock, I got nowhere to put that $9.99. So to that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network, and unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe these are to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>